All right, guys, welcome back to the show. And on the show with me today, I got to sit down on a Zoom call with Dr. Josh Farr. He's from Pennsylvania, and he runs Drop Tine Custom Skull Dipping. Um, it's a company that he started just because he wasn't very thrilled with the price of taxidermy and he got into it and now he's got some serious equipment, does some really fascinating stuff, uh, whether it's working with his 20, 30, 40,000 beetles, however many he has now to actually custom dipping, um, firearms, business mugs, uh, dead cow skulls, you name it, this guy's done it and it's got my brain working overtime just thinking of all the different things that I want to do like hydro dipping too. It would be so fun and so intriguing just to have a machine like that to where I could do my own. But uh, I'm going to leave all of that to Dr. Josh and I hope you guys enjoy this one. We're going to jump right into it. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show, and on the show with me today, I've got Josh Farr from Drop Tine Custom Skull Dipping. Um, he he and I have been chatting for just a little bit here, um, but he's got some really cool work out there. He'll, he'll share the link for his TikTok, Instagram, all that afterwards so you can check out the work that he does if you're interested in having some of it done but we're going to chat a lot about skull dipping um hydro dipping seracoding all all sorts of good things so josh thanks for being on the show with me yeah thanks for having me dan um so you're up in pennsylvania i actually just spoke with a guest last night that was from pennsylvania as well uh it sounds like pennsylvania just has an awesome hunting heritage all the way around it does. And it's it, like a lot of different uh, looks here in Pennsylvania. There's a lot of different mountain like ranges and stuff that you can hunt um, field. It's just a lot of opportunities here just locally that uh, I think Pennsylvania is starting to become one of those bigger states that you talk about that producing some of these bigger whitetails and stuff. I always, um, I love when a state has like so much variety in it. You know, you can go from ag fields, like big corn fields, bean fields, whatever, and then you get like deep woods because I understand, or if I understand correctly, northern Pennsylvania has like deep, dark timber that it's a whole different ball game pursuing whitetail. It, you're absolutely right. I'm in like central PA, and it's we have farmland and we have a lot of like wooded and like a lot of private land and stuff too. But then if you go like half hour, hour north of me up towards New York, I mean it's it's very remote. It's very big woods kind of thing, and I mean sometimes the deer that they pull out of those areas just unreal you hear these six and seven year old buck and stuff and it's just it's crazy but you can go for miles and not see people up there it's it's nice yeah that's cool i i'm always torn part of me like just loves having quick access if i want to get out and do a quick morning hunt sit in my bow stand or something like that but there's something about like getting away on a trip and being like man i'm going up to deer camp or you know wherever that would be for people Right. And that's how a lot of it is here. Like we have some private land, like a few minutes up the road for me. So like I get out after work, it's convenient. I can get in my stand quick, but then a lot of people have cabins up North and stuff too. So, and it, you know, it just becomes part of that tradition where you go up, you know, this day of the year or coyote hunting and things too. And it just, just becomes fun really. I mean, get a group of guys out and just 
enjoy the outdoors. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's kind of every hunter's dream is to have like a deer camp, like a remote deer camp. Even if it's like 20 acres, you just get up, you plan a weekend, like every year, the weekend before Thanksgiving, we go up and we get out in the woods and we hang out the night before, talk about years past, you know, that's, there's something cool about setting tradition like that. Um, how did you, how did you get into hunting? Did you grow up hunting? Did your family hunt? I did. So like uh, my grandfather really got me into hunting and fishing when I was young. Um, he was a big outdoorsman. I mean, he would hunt everything. He'd fish. I mean, a few hundred days out of the year, he was out in the wild, which was, which was nice. And it, he always exposed me to it. So I was very much into the sports and then the hunting and the fishing. Uh, so like really my whole life, like, like when I was young, youngster, I was shooting guns and it was just kind of one of those things that I was brought up with. And like, we, uh, like my parents and stuff, we would eat a lot of like the venison and stuff when I grew up, like we didn't always have a lot of means for everything else. So, I mean, it just became a staple, like part of our life. Like oh, what are we having tonight? We're having venison or having yeah. things of that name. So it was definitely ingrained in my culture and my upbringing. And, uh, like I hit those teenager years. I mean, and I just, it really took off and I really enjoyed it. It was just, uh, it's peaceful. I mean, it's fun. It's competitive. Uh, I think, you know, there's different levels of competing against yourself and things too, but it's always like a new idea or scene. And you kind of get that excitement. Like I watch a lot of deer and things on camera, but where I'm at, it's, I can go out one day and I'm watching all these deer and like the next day I might have a monster just come in from nowhere that was completely off my radar. Yeah. So, I mean, it's constantly changing and evolving. It's just a lot of fun. So, I mean, my grandfather definitely got me into it. Uh, my dad and I, we hunt too. He's more of the uh, traditional whitetail hunter. Uh, but we go out turkey hunting, I mean, coyote hunting here in the winter, even the summertime, that becomes a fun thing to go out around midnight. And we have, uh, you can take your AR guns out now here in PA. So nice. we have to put lights and stuff on them. It's just, it's just different kind of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And recently we've been really getting into turkey hunting, which is kind of, we would turkey hunt and stuff here the past few years, but uh, I don't know. We, a few friends and I have been doing this new technique we call it the running gun. Um, where we would hear what kind of sound off in the morning where the turkeys are at and get an idea where they're at. We'll hunt uh, public land. So then we'll just kind of like take off after where we think they're at, kind of set up on them, call and bring them in. It's, it's fun. It kind of gets your adrenaline going because you're running yeah. a lot in the woods and it's a different kind of hunting, <laughs> but it, uh, it's kind of like hit or miss too. So then a lot of times like we'll set up on these birds and it's just a, it's a fun time. So, I mean, by far, whitetail is uh, like what I enjoy, but turkey hunting the past few years has just been fun. Now, I say that, and I didn't get one this past year, but I mean, we we hunted them hard, but it's just a weird season, I think, with yeah. the weather up here where we're at. It's just a lot of people didn't get it. It was a weird, weird year, hot and cold. We went from like 90 degrees one day to like 40 the next, so it's just... I feel like turkey, turkey are so unpredictable, and it could be that I didn't grow up hunting them. I mean, I grew up like whitetail hunting first. And then I jumped into waterfowl hunting, more small game hunting. But it really wasn't until I moved down to Missouri uh, during college that I started turkey hunting. And so part of it could be that I just don't know. Um, but it seems like they're hard to predict sometimes. Like you might see them every single day in a certain spot. And then they just yep. disappear for whatever reason. <laughs> or on some mornings, like we would sit in the same spot in a field here. Um, on some property that I have access to and we'd hear them gobble across the street like up on this bluff along a river bottom 
and we'd hear, I mean, we'd hear probably a dozen toms sounding off all along this ridge line. Yep. And then I was, I told all my buddies, I'm like, listen, they do the same thing every day. They sound off. It's not until about 9.30. They cross the road into the cornfield behind us. Sometimes they come all the way over and hop into the bean field that we're in. And I take one guy out there. I'm like, dude, it's like guaranteed you're going to hear gobbles all morning. We got out there, didn't hear a single gobble, like not one. <laughs> and I'm like, I've been hunting every day of the season, and I haven't gone without hearing them. And then yep. you just shut up out of nowhere. So That's kind of how our spring was. It was weird because it was just – we had them on camera on our cell cameras every day and we kind of pretty much pattern and we knew where they were setting up. And like, unfortunately they were setting up in this little ridge, like right where we couldn't hunt. So we're on my friend's land, but like we could see them like a few hundred yards out, but we had them patterned. We thought pretty well. And then all of a sudden Turkey season comes and they just disappeared. It was crazy. Dang. A weird year, but uh, hopefully I, we'll see what this small brings. I, I got some guys out. I was actually on a podcast, a different podcast, and um, made friends with these guys. I was like, hey, why don't you guys come out and hunt with me one morning? And they were public land hunters. They go out. They do a run and gun, kind of like you do. They'll go out, listen for them to gobble, try to get as close as they can without busting them in the roost, and then call yep. them in. And I was like, why don't you guys come check out my place? You can come sit in the blind. We'll We'll see what we can uh, call in and they did. And as we're like not wrapping up the hunt, but it was mid morning. One of their girlfriends messages them and they're like, she was like, Hey, you need to come home. There's a tornado that just touched down like a couple miles from our house. And they get on the, on the, on the, uh, weather app and they're looking at it. And this touched, this tornado touched down right where they always hunt, like the same ridge line that they always hunt. And they're like, dude, if you hadn't invited us out today, we would have been in the middle of a tornado while we're turkey that's, hunting this morning. That's, that's crazy. But that's they crazy. they were like, man, you got to come out. So next year I'm going to go out there and try that same running gun type of deal that you're talking about. Work public land, see if I can find them or hear them before daylight and then get close enough to, to bring them in out of the roost. Definitely worth checking out. It's just a different type of excitement almost. It's, it's hard to explain until you really experience it. But I think that adrenaline just kind of running and hearing them, it's, it's something magical about it. Yeah. I mean, it's just everything outdoors. I tell people, I've had multiple people ask me, like, what is it that you love? Or, like, why do you feel like you're drawn to hunting? And I tell them all, I'm like, it's one of the most, like, primitive things we've ever done. Or it goes back farther than just about anything else that humans have done, you know, like aside from yep. reproducing, like we've always <laughs> hunted for food and I'm like, yes. so I feel like everybody kind of has it in them, but it might just be a different level that they, you know, that pursuit and that excitement and passion for it. Um, but I've never taken anybody out and had them be like, yeah, this is dumb. I don't like this at all. They've always been like, wow, this is actually really cool. They may stick with it. They may not, but it's very rare that someone absolutely hates it. No, we, we don't have that experience at all. Even like uh, some of my friends and stuff or girls that we get them out, they, they love it. It's just peaceful. It's different. I mean, it's hiking. You see things, you know, that you don't see every day and it's just, you know, it's a fun time just getting that fresh air and just kind of unwinding. Yeah. Um, let's, let's chat a little bit about your skull dipping company because you started doing this. Um, you shared with me the story of how you got into it, but can you share that with the listeners? Absolutely. So I, you know, I'm not always into the trophy hunting, but I mean, we, we 
take a lot of deer and things for ourselves too, just to eat. But uh, definitely we look at the big, you know, deer that we see each year that we kind of want to hit on our hit list. And, you know, the past few years have been very successful here in Pennsylvania. And like they did this new like antler restriction and things like that. So the deer are becoming a lot bigger here uh, that we haven't seen in the past 10, 15 years. So it's That's becoming cool. this hot spot. Absolutely. Game commission definitely got this one right. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I started getting a lot of mounts, and a lot of shoulder mounts and, I, my wall started filling up, which is not a bad problem to have, uh, but it started to become very costly. Um, and I have friends that do taxidermy and like down the road for me, a good friend of mine is probably by far, he's uh, well-renowned in the state and then here internationally, he gets things from Africa even and quite frequently from mountains. He's, he's very good, That's cool. uh, but it started to become pricey. And I mean, uh, I respect everything that the taxidermists do because it takes a lot of work to do what they're doing. And it's a technique and it's, it's an art. It's really an art to get in what they do. Uh, but I started looking at other avenues and I've had some European mounts done with the traditional white end, and that's something that I like and enjoy. And uh, I saw recently here a few years ago, people started doing hydro dipping. So uh, really taking these different camo patterns and things like that and putting them onto that traditional you know, white and skull and it's a different look and I really liked it. So I looked into it more here locally and then I just started messing around with it. So I'm like, you know, I have some deadheads. We go out shed hunting, things like that. And I'm like, I have some deer that we've shot. My dad shot over the past few years that weren't anything like mount worthy. So I would start messing around with those and just kind of see, and I kind of got onto like different YouTube and all these different like websites and talking to different people out of state that I talked to. And it just kind of really took off. So I started doing different hydro dipping for myself and a few of my hunting buddies. And we started messing around with different camos and the mossy and true timbers. And they, they came out great and they look unique. Yeah. Uh, but then it just kind of started to blow up from there here the past few years. So it started turning to like a few of my friends and hunting buddies would get into it. But then it, they started showing people at work and it just kind of grew from there. So I didn't really, you know. I'm a teacher by nature and by art, but uh, I've always had a passion for the outdoors. And it just kind of something here the past few years that really took off for me. So, and it's something I enjoy doing. Um, so it just, it really grew. I got everything wound up here for the business and it's doing very well here. That's cool. Locally in Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's really cool. So, I mean, I checked out, I checked out your social media platforms and the stuff that you're putting out is amazing. I mean, it just looks so clean. Uh, like I was telling you, I, I get into like, I'll, I'll see a video of someone hydro dipping on their own. They'll take like 10 different rattle cans and they're spraying all these colors and mixing them in just into like a rubber made tote full of water. Yes. And then they dunk the, they dunk the skull. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. But seeing the stuff that you do, it's actual images. A lot of times, like it's the actual camo pattern or American flags or flames or whatever that is i mean you do actual imagery which is crazy it, it is and it's it's like you can see a specific camo or something you might wear like you know whatever that might be mossy oak true timber you know Kulu. there's every, pretty much anything that you can imagine these days is something that we can get and dip and it what i can do is literally take that same image that you might have on your jacket or your camo and i can put it right onto that skull and it looks identical which is which is nice that's so cool and, and it's you know it's kind of broadened into different aspects and stuff too this past year my one friend shot a pretty nice deer on halloween and he's like i want this in blaze orange and i'm like 
man, I've never done a blaze orange deer, but like, <laughs> I'll give it a shot. And I'll tell you what, it came out awesome. That's cool. <laughs> something that I, w- I wouldn't think that I would enjoy, but it, it turned into something I did for him in archery season there. And a lot of people this past year has kind of turned on to this blaze orange, which you wouldn't really think is something popular, but it just looks unique for some reason. And it just kind of stands out. So, but yeah, like you said, it's, uh, I've watched the rattle can things too. And like, I even, when I got started, started out in that, you know, Tupperware yeah. containers and stuff too, and messing around with heat and it's, it's a pain, but like I have a professional setup now, obviously, <laughs> by just by doing so many of them, but, uh, I can take really anything that you have in mind and really hydro dip it and put it on the anything that you want. And like I do, skulls um that's my main focus but i also do i've had some turkey skulls come in this past year i've had a lot of bear skulls come in so really the you know kind of whatever you have in mind that you can really run with and here locally we're an agricultural kind of area so it's kind of odd to stay but the past two or three months i can't tell you how many steer heads have come in where people wanted me to do specific mounts on them oh. so they're bringing in their steer and i'm putting out you know patriotic things on it or camo or really whatever they want it's uh i had a guy bring me in one here recently he wanted in this like teal blue color and i'm like i always tell the people i i will go out on a limb and i'll try anything that you want me to but i can't guarantee what this is going to look like when it's done (laughs) so and i'm doing a lot of custom work too which is kind of unique because i'm messing around with different images and you know airbrushing things you just wouldn't normally see and he wanted this harry potter theme so I took this blue that he wanted and it was, <laughs> I mixed a camo into it how he wanted, but he, he got this emblem from Harry Potter and I'm not a big fan of Harry Potter. I kind of know about it, maybe seen a movie here or there, Yeah. but I smacked on top of this skull, this Harry Potter theme and it came out phenomenal. I showed like my kids at work and they're like, this is amazing. That's cool. <laughs> I'm like, I guess like this is what you're into, you know, but yeah. it's, it's not something traditional I would be into, but uh, really the possibilities are endless, which is which is what's nice about this. It's just pretty much anything that you can imagine. I kind of, I'll, I'll try and I'll run with. So it's yeah. unique, man. That's so cool. What? So obviously the Harry Potter thing's probably up there with the like stranger things that you've done. What's the, what's the weirdest object that you've hydro dipped? Oh, what's the weirdest object? So I, I do a lot of, like I said, skulls and things are my main piece. I've really gotten into firearms lately, which is very popular too. Um, but just different types of skulls. Um, I've had different African mounts come in. Uh, I, I had a guy, he goes up and hunts in Alaska. He got a bear. And I'm telling you, it's a Kodiak. And I mean, it was, it was just massive. I oh, mean, it's, yeah. it's something like on proposed, like proportional size that you wouldn't ever imagine. But it's, you can really hydro dip about anything, which is what's crazy. I mean, I can't tell you off the top of my head something you really can't dip. Yeah. Um, but like phone cases, I just dipped Crocs for somebody here like two <laughs> weeks ago. They're like, I want muddy girl Crocs. I'm like, all right, I'll do it for you. So we did. But uh, it's, I, don't, I mean, as far as like apparel, things of that nature, uh, I have a friend who does dragsters. So I did for him um, his like... Uh, exhaust pipe and the intake manifold for him in this like money scene because he he does these high-end races and he's like i want hundred dollar bills on this so i'd say that's probably one of the more unique things here recently that's yeah. just different you know but it, it possibilities are endless and i mean i can't even there's so much stuff out there that exists in this imagery and like you know the creative part of it that it's just it's unreal it's stuff that i don't even see and all these companies now 
they're they're getting in the game so they're licensing their product out to these other companies that you know you can get them uh mossy oak is like pretty much licensed to one specific company but okay. uh anything now is like i i have access to which is nice yeah. because it's possibilities or ends i mean it's it's crazy but like cryptic is kind of one of those things that's been coming on here recently not so much in my area but uh with the fishing scene and like yeah huck guy there's possibilities are endless it's yeah. crazy it's crazy and whatever people like want i i go for now you say like american flags there's 30 different types of american flag patterns out there or different things that i can do with them i mean it's just it's nice because it's creative it's unique it's something different every day and uh it really takes from that traditional mount or object that, that person has and personalizes it for them man i like you you mentioned huck and i didn't even think about fishing gear like dipping fishing gear that would be so cool to have like a custom dipped fishing pole like your rod your reel all of that it'd be sweet to have it like because my bow you know my bow is camo and i've got uh orange strings i've got orange arrows like i've got the whole like contrast deal but with my fishing stuff it's like ah, it's just whatever i bought at the store but like start customizing everything i mean it sounds like you really can (laughs) You can, and I've done some like Yeti coolers and Arctic coolers for people and stuff too. But uh, recently, we have like a fishing derby here locally, and I I donated to them. I did a lot of uh, different fishing gear, which was just kind of unique and kind of getting things out there. But I dipped like these cryptic patterns and stuff, even for like their tackle boxes and stuff. So I mean, it just it takes it to a whole new level of customization that exists that you wouldn't think about here in the past few years, and even like gun manufacturers and things like that there's a few of them now that are starting to get into more uh camo and options and you've seen some muddy girl and things like that but a lot of the manufacturers don't have those options it's kind of you know you get the woodstock or the traditional synthetic um but what's nice is i can take kind of whatever they have in mind and just run with it and just go with it and make it unique to themselves that's cool um so like when you do a skull do they bring in like the deer head and then like you actually do all the cleaning and everything you, you know, you take the skin off of it or do people just bring you in the skull already kind of in a European mount stage? So I'd say 98% of it is people bring in their whole head to me. So they'll, they'll shoot the deer. They'll either take it to the processor and they'll, you know, just kind of hack the head off for me and bring it to me and I'll prep it for them that way. Um, but there are a few that have like traditional mounts or something that's sitting around from years ago or something their dad shot or something. But it's uh, 99% of the thing is I, I prep it for them. So they bring it to me. Um, ideally, within, you know, a day or two of after they shot it is <laughs> ideal for me. Um, and then I skin it out. I have beetles that do a majority of my work for me. So I, I have a few different tanks and I have probably 50 to a hundred thousand beetles at this time. I, I don't nice. know how many, too many, too many, <laughs> but uh, I put them in and then within a day or two, they pretty much clean them up pretty good. Um, take everything out. They'll eat all different parts of that skull out of it. And then I clean them up and there's some base work and prep work you got to do. And you got to tape the antlers off and things of that nature. And, but I'll get them prepped up and I'll see, uh, you know, what the customer wants. I'll order the film in and then, you know, Within a few days, I can have it back to them. Now, again, with volume and stuff, sometimes it can be you know, a few more weeks to a month and stuff. But I, I really pride myself on getting things back to the consumer quick. Like you see taxidermy up where I'm at. It can be 
a years. year, yeah. sometimes two years. <laughs> it's that's very common. And like I, our deer season here for firearms is like right after Thanksgiving. And I had people that like they had their kids shot this deer or something. They're like, "Can you have it to me by Christmas?" I'm like, "Absolutely." And I did. So I, I can turn it around usually a lot quicker, depending on, you know, I you know you get volume in a few hundred things. You got to kind of sort them out and go from there but it, yeah. it's nice too because you get it back to them recently it's not something you're like oh i shot that deer two seasons ago <laughs> well i we ran into that um i went on a moose hunt in colorado with my buddy he drew a tag and it was october 1st 2018 that he shot this moose and we were all <laughs> super pumped about it like couldn't wait for it i mean we dropped it off at the taxidermist a couple days later probably like the fourth or fifth maybe um, because we were up in the mountains, we stayed out there and camped and like ate moose steaks out there. It was awesome. So we dropped off at the processor and, or the taxidermist, I mean, and it wasn't until a month ago, I was just out in Colorado. That's the first time that I've seen the full shoulder mount of this moose. I mean, it took over two years to get this moose completely done and back on his wall. And I mean, in the meantime, uh, the taxidermist gave him the skull back. And so he had the skull hanging up on the wall, but it was like probably a year and a half before the taxidermist called and said like, Hey, I need the skull. The hide's finally back. I'm going to start work on it. And so, I mean, yeah, that's almost three full seasons ago that he dropped it off and he just got it back recently. All right, guys, if you enjoy this show and you want to know how to make your own, I'm going to tell you about something called anchor. It's an app that I've been using ever since I started, and it's completely free. Like I said, I've used it from the get-go, and I haven't had to pay a single penny to distribute my podcasts through this app. They've got creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone, tablet, computer, so you don't have to get a bunch of fancy equipment in order to get started. Now you can also add songs directly from Spotify into your episodes. So, I mean, you can create whatever you want, something that nobody's ever heard before, and it's so easy. Just click and drag. Anchor is also going to help you distribute your podcast. And so you don't have to upload it to all of these different platforms. Anchor can be that central hub that your podcast goes out to all of the other platforms through. And you can make money without any minimum listenership. So, I mean, you heard that right. You can actually start making money right away, no matter how many listeners you have. So what I'm getting at is it's basically everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's it's crazy. And it, again, I don't want to take anything from the tax terms, but I have friends and stuff in the industry. It, it takes a long time to get those specific things, especially how you want them to look. And some of these mounts they do now where like the deer and the turkeys are just like standing up free form and things. It's it's definitely an art and I can understand oh, yeah. why it takes long. And with this pandemic, I kind of even ran into it a little bit about uh, supplies and things just taking a little bit longer with the post office and things. So it's definitely understandable, but it's, it's an art that not many people have. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, anything I've got aside from this deer mount back here, everything I've got, I've done myself and I'm terrible. <laughs> I, I take care of the meat all the time. Like that's my number one priority when I shoot something. And I love having skulls on the wall, European mounts, like furs, all of that stuff. But every now and then I'll just be so busy 
And like, I currently have a deer skull, a deer head. I cut off a deer. It was two seasons ago that I cut off of it. And it's been in my buddy's freezer. I mean, we've got a big freezer just for this stuff. Um, yep. It's been in the freezer. So it's not like it smells really bad or anything because it's been frozen. But I'm like, man, I still need to get that done. Like, <laughs> randomly we'll be like, oh, hey, let's all get together and boil skulls tonight. But I wish I had beetles because that would be the way to go. I've seen the beetle work. Like, they just take all the hard work out of it. I hate power washing skulls after they've been boiling oh. for hours. It's the worst. And it, it's, you know, with the boiling, I've tried that method before too. And like, sometimes you got to wash them and stuff a little bit different, but like traditionally with that, I, in my experience, at least you start to lose even some of that size of the skull. Yep. Um, it just shrinks a little bit and stuff. And the, we've seen the power washing technique. I've tried that also, uh, but you have to be so much more, I think, particular and careful with those kind of things. Like you can't let it in too long. Yep. Uh, the power yep. washer, you got to have like under 2000 PSI or something too. And how you do that. Is just, well, and the skull the starts to like expand when it heats up and contract yes. and then you end up with the cracks in it, the gaps in it. It's a nose like They just seem like where the cartilage is just kind of comes out. And yep. I mean, I have a lot of people up here locally that try to do it on their own because they just kind of want to save some money and, and buy all means i understand it it's the hard times and stuff too but like they'll get these nice deer and then they'll they'll just ruin them and it's just because they're trying them on their own or they've seen oh, yeah. something on youtube and it's, <laughs> it doesn't always come out that way but it, you can definitely boil them and get them off but by far these beetles that i have best investment ever best investment ever. yeah so uh, it sounds weird where do you buy beetles at is there like a website that you buy them and they ship them to you or how does that work <laughs> They do, and, like, we have, like, maggots and beetles here. Like, I could go out if I wanted to, like, let my deer head just kind of rot, to, for better words, and let the maggots go over them, but it stinks, and they're just not the most efficient. But I, I got my beetles uh, out of Oregon and Washington, actually. Okay. Um, there's So there's people out there that kind of just raise them, I, I guess you would say, and that's kind of what they specialize in. So I'd order them, and then they'd kind of next day air them to me. Uh, but the thing is with these beetles, it's, it's crazy to say they have a like six month, I want to say seven month kind of lifespan, but they reproduce like crazy. So I started out with maybe like 10, 20,000 beetles. And then every few months they just kind of regenerate. So they're constantly growing. Um, and I'm thinking here probably by this, this fall, even, I don't know, maybe a hundred thousand, 150,000. I, I don't know. I just keep taking them and put them in a different like storage containers that I have and they kind of reproduce, which is great, which is great. Yeah. How does that work? What do you, I mean, where do you store them? What do you keep them in? Are they in like Rubbermaid containers? So it's, you know, you would think bugs are just kind of one of those things you got to let them do their thing. But like, I have different freezers and storage tanks, um, like even like old, like big fish tank kind of things, but they're very particular, which is, un which is, uh, you wouldn't believe it, but like yeah. they have to be a certain temperature. So I keep them around like 80 degrees. Um, the humidity has to be at a certain range for them to, to live in. And then, uh, like it sounds funky, but I gotta like give them water and stuff every day too. Like you'd almost have your own pet. Um, but other than that, Just they're kind of thousand of them instead of like a dog. right, 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 right. It's and it's uh, I have them like most of the times I try to get old freezers that don't work, and I'll put like heat bulbs. And again, I have temperature things in there and alarms, so I know like 
I, unfortunately, I lost like one of my Beetle tanks this past year with them just because we lost power where I was at. And I was away on vacation. And I didn't know. And I come home and I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> like it was a hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're not they're not cheap. Like they're, they're they get a little pricey, but uh, they're very they like to be in that one kind of zone of where they want to be at. And, you know, they they reproduce in that area. Uh, typically in the summer times, I try to drop the temp a little bit and I don't want to say freeze them because it's not that, but like just kind of puts them more in a dormant stage a little bit. So they're not okay. as hungry, but, uh, I'll get them, you know, deer season and stuff. I, I like them to be ready to roll. So they, I can put a deer head in and I mean, I, I skin it and stuff, especially I wouldn't have to by any means, but when I start to get a lot of volume in, I like to get to get them in and out quick. So I'll skin yeah. them, but it's, it's crazy. I'll put them in. And I'm telling you, within 24 hours, sometimes even 12 or 16 hours, it is completely like clean, completely clean. Jeez. It's unreal. Like I tell people, and people see it because they're just fascinated by it. Um, but like, if you ever seen like the mummy movies kind of things, and like how like those bugs and things just like overtake people, yep. it's the same thing with deer skulls. Like I'll put one in, and no joke, like within 30 seconds, they are completely engulfed on this thing. Oh, and just wow. going to town. Do you ever yeah. do like a time lapse video of it? I've thought about it. I, I probably will this year. Put it out on some social media and stuff too, just because so people are fascinated by it. Yeah. Because it's it's crazy. Dude, it's I'd unreal. Watch that for sure. That sounds yes. Awesome. I, it's it's something I definitely need to explore with the social media. And it's people just they're amazed by. It. And even like hunting season comes around, I'll try to come out and put them like in a little bowl or something, just so people can see them when they drop their stuff off. But I will tell you there is one downfall of these beetles and it is a smell and it's um it's a smell that I can't even describe but it's it's worse than death it's worse than like something you'd smell like a roadkill on the side of the road <laughs> dang because they're just they're taking this you know already dead just, thing yeah already dead thing that doesn't have the best smell to begin with and cleaning it off. So I, I originally started them out within my garage, but I have like a shed and stuff kind of out away from my house because there's just a smell and like, I'm used to it. It doesn't bother me because I used one of those things, but like, I'll have like my friends or something come over and they'll be like, what is that? That's like, and I'm like, Oh, it's the Beatles <laughs> kind of thing. But other than that, they're, they're great. I mean, they're pretty self-sustaining, you know, water them, keep the temperature, things of that nature, feed them. I do got to feed them throughout the summer and things too. Um, I'm very fortunate now with people bringing me all these like steer heads and stuff now that I, I have plenty of meat for them to eat and yeah. stuff to go with. But uh, in the past, I've had to like go to like a grocery store. I like I'd have to go get like roadkill. So I'd see people like hit a fresh deer. And I'd be like, OK, and go chop off part of this and freeze it so I, I can feed them later in the year kind of thing. But uh, that's yeah, it's so pretty, pretty unique. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. I would love to see like the operation and how it all works. Um, so you've got them in these containers, but yep. then inside of the containers, is it just dirt or is it sawdust or like wood chips? What do they, what do they live in inside of the I, containers? I take, you, you can use things like that. What I found out the best is just like uh, paper shreddings. So oh, I'll get them from work. They'll just, we'll just shred off its paper and then I'll throw it down in there and they love to live in it. Um, so they kind of like, you don't even see a lot of them cause you put a few inches of it down until you put something in there and then they just kind of all come out of like crazy. But uh, it's usually like a few inches of paper shreds is what I use. But okay. then the other thing is styrofoam. So I'll get like my Amazon boxes in of styrofoam and they'll go in and they'll burrow. And like, that's where they'll like reproduce in these like styrofoam pieces. So it, yeah. it's weird, but yeah. 
that's typically what they live in for me. You can use some other things, but it just works the best. Um, after a few months, I'll try to cycle some of that uh, paper shreds out, but they really don't. It's not bad. Like as long as the head isn't like dripping off or something crazy, they kind of just, they're pretty self-sustaining. They clean it up. Manner. They clean it up and they, they kind of clean themselves up too, if that makes sense over yeah. a few months. So it's not like something I constantly got to be taking care of. And I will here shortly probably change them out and do some things, but it's pretty unique. It's, it's its own fascination. <laughs> I know. I'm like, man, I could get into just that aspect of it. But then, I mean, doing the skull dipping and, and hydro dipping all sorts of other things. That's all crazy. I mean, it sounds it, really cool. It is. It, is. And it, it keeps me busy. And like, I, I start out with like a buddy of mine kind of getting into this. Um, but depending on like what this year brings, and I, I'm, it's kind of been scaling well for me here the past few years. Um, I, I totally foresee that I'm probably going to bring even some people on to help me out this year in the nice. fall time, just because <laughs> it gets busy it, yeah. when deer season hits, it's, it's, it's crazy and it's constantly moving and it's, you know, it, I have a few friends that'll come in and watch me dip sometimes and they're just fascinated by this process of how things work. And it, it's an art. It's just, it blows my mind sometimes. I was out dipping last night, some, uh, custom cups and stuff for some people and businesses and it amazes me sometimes when you put things in and how they come back out, just how crisp and unique they are. Yeah. What, uh, how big, how big are your dipping tanks? Like what is the, what's the scale of something that you could dip? Uh, so I have a professional grade tank now. And again, those, those things can run crazy amounts of money. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but it's uh, the easiest way I tell people think of like a big plastic bathtub or a hot, like a hot tub kind of idea. Okay. And it has like a heater in it and it has like a circulation pump in it, kind of like a hot tub that clears things off uh, and it kind of does its thing. But my, my tank I have now is it's six and a half feet long and it's, I want to say about three, three, maybe a little more than three feet wide. Okay. So it, it can, it can take some pretty good sized things. Yeah. Um, I have, uh, Everything I've dipped so far, I can get into it. So I've done like wheel rims for people. I mean, firearms, things of that nature. I've had one instance where I had an elk. Uh, a guy brought me an elk skull in, and actually, it was it was a monster. <laughs> and just because it was so long, I I had a very hard time dipping it, just because the angle that you got to put it in at and things like that, like it was just crazy long. So I mean, that was the only thing so far I brought it into that's kind of given me a little issues. But other than that, it's kind of big bathtub is what I like to say. And I keep that usually warm too and insulated. So um, it has like computer aspects and stuff to it where it's automated and timed and things like that. But you got to keep that usually in the eighties, 90 degree range too. So when you want to use it, but uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. Wow. I, yeah, I would get into trouble. I'd get myself in trouble if I had something like that, because I'd be like dipping everything. I'd be like, oh, kids, bring me your bike, take the tires off, you know, dip the whole frame of the bike. <laughs> I'd probably try to give myself like a sleeve tattoo or something, you know? Oh, you you can. And like, I'm looking now, I, I got it pretty well cleaned off, but like my arms and stuff sometimes are just like camo or <laughs> because you, you get it. You mean, and I try to put like gloves and disposable things on, but like you get it. And like, if you don't get it off within a few hours, it becomes like a tattoo. And it was like, I had stuff up my forearms right to wear like long sleeves to work because I couldn't get it like scrubbed off. That's <laughs> it's just funny. on there so good. 
until you got it off, you know, after a few days. But yeah, it's it's funny. Man, but that yeah, could be a business bring... in itself, like temporary tattoos. Like, come on, right? man. You just dip your right? arm in the tank and we're good to go. And they, they have these like glow in the dark stuff now too. And like my one friend though, like even for like parties or weddings, like maybe you need to like bring some speed bill over and just like dip their arms <laughs> in something unique. And I'm like, I've never thought of that. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? <laughs> possibilities right <laughs> people are going to be wondering what you're up to like people are like taking their shirts off and like dunking oh, in this weird tub and then right, they're gonna, right what, what is this guy going on probably getting like inspections from the state here in the next few days and this yeah, goes live <laughs> but it's it's crazy it's Man, crazy that is that's really cool i'm gonna i'm gonna have to look more into it because like i said i've, I've watched the diy stuff but I, i'm just fascinated now by the full process. Can you walk, can you walk us through like once you get a skull in the beetles, clean it off, it's ready to dip. What's the process of actually dipping it and how does that all work? Yeah. So once it's cleaned up, I, uh, I actually put like a small primer amount of paint onto the deer skull or the skulls that I'm working with. And this paints like, it's just not something you could go get off the shelf at Walmart or Lowe's or Home Depot. It's specific paint for hydro dipping. And it's really like, this water soluble type. It's very tacky. Um, so I use that, I set it up and within 10, 15 minutes after I paint, I can, I can dip it into a thing. So the dipping process and the most like simplistic terms is, is, uh, you pretty much get the thing prepped. I usually tape off the antlers and things that you need to specific areas, depending on what the object is. And then I take this film. So we order the film in from multiple different companies that I use and different patterns and things that they pick out. And it comes in usually uh, like half meter or one meter kind of like width by a few meters long, typically. And you can order as big as you want kind of thing. And you'll cut it down and you'll put it on the water and you'll, you put it on and it looks like a piece of like uh, a piece of plastic kind of thing you're putting on it's it, it's very unique if you've never seen it i suggest you get on to like my social media or, or even some you know, youtube because it's just a, it's a unique process but you put it on the water uh you let it hydrate is what it kind of talks about so you okay. take like this plastic piece and it's like think of like a 3m kind of plastic and it like hydrates where it just kind of all the water gets sucked into it and it just kind of turns it over and you let it go for different amounts of time, usually like minute, two minute kind of idea. And then you put this activator on it and you spray okay. this activator on it and it takes this thing that's laying on the water that looks like plastic and it turns it into glass. And it's like this mesmerizing process <laughs> instantly that you go from, you know, having this piece of plastic that just looks like a piece of weird paint on a sheet of plastic to glass, like a stained glass kind of thing. Okay. And you, you wait a few seconds and then you dip it down and again, there's different angles and, you know, different processes. You got to go with it. You dip it real slow, typically bring it down, clear the top off and then bring it back out. And whatever you just put it on, it's going to be on that image for the most part. It's, and it's, it's crazy how good these things turn out when yeah. you know what you're doing. Man. And then, you know, I let them dry. I got to, I got to rinse them and things like that too. But I, I usually put a clear coat on top of them also. So it protects them. Um, different people want different things. So I have like a mat that I use and then I have like a high gloss, which is pretty nice too. So I, I do that for a lot of people that I dip, uh, and even put it kind of on the antlers and things. So if it's in a room and like the light hits, it kind of like glimmers off of it. Nice, but it's, it's pretty nice. Yeah. That's it's, awesome. It's definitely <laughs> now, now my brain is just working. Like what 
I've got frog gigging coming up. I don't know if you guys frog gig up in Pennsylvania, but down here we go frog gigging. And I mean, we'll catch, we'll catch bullfrogs that are that long nose to toes and you cut the legs off, you skin them, you fry them up just like fried chicken. It actually tastes really good. I thought people were pulling a prank on me the first time I did this. They're like, no. I mean, they were digging in before. I, I thought they were going to be like, hey, Dan, try it and you know, laugh at me. <laughs> no, they dug in. And so I started eating it also. Um, but I'm like, man, frog gigging's coming up. It would be so cool to send in my frog gig, which is basically a big trident, and have yep. that dipped with like my logo all over it and then show oh. up to like opening night of frog gigging like, guys, check this thing out. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that- possibilities are endless for these things. It's just anything that you can think of. And people amaze me when they call me and they're like, have you done this before? And I'm like, no, but uh, you know, we'll give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just possibilities are endless. What endless? Really. How long has it been? I mean, like when did you start this? And then obviously you've got professional grade equipment and it sounds like you've got the whole process down. You've got your own beetles. How long did that all take to accumulate? Uh, so the past few years, I've been just been kind of messing around doing it on my own. You know, we started out with like different water tanks and dipping them like under like, like stock tanks almost and things like that, okay. you know, not really anything too specific, but they were coming out pretty good. Um, but the past two years is when I really upgraded into the professional grade and really started to put my name out there. Um, and it just kind of really went from there. Like I said, it went from just some friends and you know, people that I hunt with to then their colleagues. And then it, it just blew up overnight. They're saying, wow, look at these different things this guy's doing. It's just a different, you know, aspect of mounting and preserving your hunt, you know, for yeah. that's not like a traditional way. And we're doing some different things too with different mounts that I'm working on and different like uh, things around the house. So we're working on um, some concepts now. It's like even like an end table. So I put end table and then we put like glass around it and then we put some like LED lights into it. And like, I'll put like a rock and some seed in there and then have like this European kind of skull on it, kind of looking like it's naturally there. Yeah. Or we have a fence post that we're kind of working with too, kind of concepts. So we're hanging off like a fence post. So it's just uh, taking like what you could simplistically, what you normally hang on the wall or sit on your desk to even now put them into these like more, landscaping kind of scenes or mounts that you can put in your room and it, it's i mean it takes up a lot less space yeah um, it's obviously a lot more uh frugal in the you know cost aspect i mean you can get this done for very reasonable compared to where you'd have a traditional amount i mean compare like no, nothing it's, it doesn't cost much at all to get kind of things like this going yeah i mean going going from like trying to have fur preserved i think that's like the big cost in most taxidermy you know because as soon as you take away the fur it gets pretty reasonable i mean i know guys around here that well i say i know before i moved out to colorado and then back they were talking about doing like european mounts for like a hundred bucks each but if i just wanted a coyote hide like i would shoot a night i shot a really cool blonde coyote i mean it was almost like golden retriever color and I shot that and I called around and I'm like, Hey, how much would this be to have the mount done? And they were like, it's going to be around 950 bucks to have the full mount done. And I was like, for a coyote, I was like, okay, forget that. What about just the fur? If I send the coyote in, get the fur tanned and they're like, yeah, it's still going to be around 450 bucks. And I'm like, okay. 
scratch this. I mean, I just threw it out in the field, <laughs> you know, like I'm not about to spend that kind of money on a predator. If it was a bobcat, like a big male bobcat or something maybe, but I'm like, I shoot coyotes all the time. I don't need something like that. But I, I say all that because I really do think the fur preservation is a huge part of the cost and a lot of that stuff. And so once you eliminate that and you can go to the skulls and you can make them decorative, make them look awesome, like it, it's just a cool way to preserve a memory. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, the nice thing is too, like, I don't want to say you can mess up, but you can kind of mess up like even like a traditional mount. You got, you know, you got to skin it out a certain way and have so much, you know, the skin and the hide there for when you get it mounted to take the taxidermist. But like with this, I, I had a guy this past year accidentally shoot this monster like in the face and he brought it in to me and he's like, here's the bull. And he's like, can you do something with this? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I'll, I'll try it, but we'll see. And I, I got it off and I uh, did some work on the, the skull itself and patched it up where you wouldn't know. And he shot this thing with like a 300 wind mag right in the, smack in the center of the thing, but it, it preserved it. And I got it, I got it back to where it needed to be, and, you know, a, a unique way there that. Yeah, you know, that's cool. That's so. really cool. I was, I was thinking about that same type of deal. Um, Cause we've got pigs here. Um, we, uh, yep. the property we live on, the guy we rent from, he raises pigs and he's got one right now. It's a boar and it's probably in the 650 pound range. I mean, it's oh got my. big old tusks and it's a breeder pig. I mean, it's like a big puppy, but I was thinking yep. like once that one's, you know, dead, it'd be cool to have his skull because I'm telling you from like the back of his head to the tip of his nose is probably this long. I wow. Mean, it's got to be at least big. two feet long. It's huge. But I was like, yep. man, that'd be a really cool thing to have dipped and like hanging on the wall or like just yep. a cool way to remember. I've, I've done a few this past year for people. Some of them were like wild boar and stuff they get out of state. Okay. Uh, but a few of them were from like farmers too because they're just like that. that's what they do. And they're like, this This is what something I want for my shop or, you know, for my yep. garage. And they come out nice. I'll like whiten the teeth up too or the tusks. So like you'll have this nice camo mount or whatever. And then like you'll have that nice white piece and it, it comes out crisp. It's just, it's, it's nice. It's definitely nice. Yeah, that's cool. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to look more into all this because we've got plenty of places that we've got taxidermy hanging up, you know, things that we've done or deadheads we've found. And, uh, we've got, we do a shop night every Thursday night, me and all my buddies, we get together and hang out and I'm like, man, it'd be cool just to have like a big skull or an antler or something with shop night on it, like hydro dipped and, You've got my brain yep. racing. I'm going to be talking about it. My wife is going to get annoyed by me. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about hydro dipping for a while now. You get on YouTube or uh, even TikTok or something. The hours will go by quickly. I can tell you that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, are, I already have a problem with that. I get lost in TikTok and YouTube and Instagram world. I start scrolling and, you know, I've got to like snap out of a trance by the end of it. It just goes quick. It's I'll sit down sometimes here at night and I'll get on something and it's like two hours later and it's like, what just happened with my life? <laughs> kind of thing, you know. But there's just so I mean, you see this social media thing and it's definitely an area that I'm trying to push out more here just because that's where a lot of it is anymore. I mean, there's so many things out there that you see on social media and kind of get it out there. But yeah, it's definitely fun. Yeah. Um I've got one more question for you. So when, when you dip these things, is it almost like a hardened shell that it puts on the outside of it? Or like, is it pretty scratch resistant? 
it is pretty scratch resistant and preserved. Uh, I, like I said, I do put like a clear coat on top of it just uh, to cover it a little bit more for that things. There's two that I use. Uh, the one is just like a normal kind of clear coat. And I actually have one that's like a hardener. So I can take different things if you want to like go out and throw it in your driveway. I can put it on top of it and you can try smashing it and it's not going to break and it yeah. kind of preserves it. So I, it is for the most part. I mean, it's, it's going to stay there and it's going to be fine. Um, I do put like a clear on it cause you can just kind of wipe it off with like a wet cloth, like with dust or anything too. So, but it, it holds it up pretty good as long as you don't hit it with like specific chemicals or things of that nature, which most people won't even have yeah. <laughs> around their house. I mean, you're fine. It's going to be fine. It's pretty well scratch resistant and it holds up. I mean, some of the stuff I've even done here the past few years, that wasn't maybe my best work. I would say when I got started, it's, it's still holding up fine. I, we dropped, I had a kid drop one here a few months ago in my shop and I'm like, Oh, I don't even want to look. Yeah. And sure enough, it, it was fine. It was, still, awesome. I mean, they hold, they hold up pretty well. I mean, definitely better than a traditional mount. They, 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 they hold well. That's cool. Uh, and the firearms too. Like I, you, I mean, what's nice about that is I put this hardener on that too. So I'll put a camo pattern on and like these pinks and purples and like, these you know tiffany blues and stuff like you wouldn't imagine like i do a lot of camo and things too but i can't tell you how much of the firearms are like kind of geared towards the women and these younger girls hunting which is great because i mean that's an area we need to explore um but i do so much of those kind of things and then i'll clear coat them and what's nice is like i have some guns from like my grandfather and things too like i i go out hunting with like a not six like a you know nice pump gun that i like to go out and hunt with but I can take these guns that I have now, you go get off the rack anywhere and you know, preserve them, put camo and stuff on. And I coat them so hard that like, you can literally go through like a big piece of brush, you know, and you're going to come out having a few hundred things tacked into you, but that gun is not going to have a scratch on it at all. Nice. Which is just kind of a nice piece to it too, you know? So when you do, when you do kind of like that hard shell on the outside of it or that clear coat, is it also a dipped clear coat or are you doing like a spray on clear coat? It's a spray on is okay. what I use. I mean, they do have a, a dip clear coat, but I, I haven't had good luck with it, but it's uh, it's more of a spray on. I use like a HLPV gun oh, okay. gun, and it goes over it. And like I said, it just, it does wonders. <laughs> That's awesome. Is. Well, Hey, uh, we're coming up on an hour here. I'm going to give you a chance uh, in the last segment. I call it emptying the chamber. If there is anything you want to share with the listeners, any piece of advice, a joke, uh, it, it doesn't have to be anything specific, but if there's anything you want to share, uh, now's your chance. Yeah. I, I think if for advice, especially in this industry, uh, if you shoot one of those, you know, preservable things or even one of your first deer or things like that, like take it, take it to a guy like me professionally, get it done. You know, it's something you don't want to regret in a few years. A lot of people try to cut the corners and try to do things on their own and it becomes messed up or not quite how they want. Uh, but take, I mean, it's pretty cheap for what I do and what I charge. Uh, so take the time, get it to them, let them handle it. And I mean, the biggest thing I tell people is if you can't get it to me in you know next few days, just throw it in a freezer. Yeah, I can take your work from a few years even and, you know, preserve it in that lasting memory. And I think, you know, the tip for me is just, get out and enjoy the outdoors. I mean, there's so much to experience that people have in their backyards these days. Just get out and enjoy it. I mean, it's, it's never going to be a time that you're going to have a bad time or not enjoy. So just get out and enjoy the outdoors. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Well, Josh, I really appreciate you hopping on with me. All of your stuff was fascinating. I mean, like, I didn't think I was ever going to geek out over beetles, but now I'm like, <laughs> I want be- I want, I want 20,000 pets. That sounds great. Um, right. So uh, one last thing, if anybody wants to follow you, what are your social media handles, YouTube channel, whatever you've got um, that people can follow along? Yeah, so TikTok, uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, a lot of those things are all at Drop Time Custom Skull Dipping. And then my website's also Drop Time Custom Skull Dipping.com. And they can find me there if they hit me on Google or any of the social media there. Go out, give me a like, shoot me a message, and be happy to sit down and chat with you. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'll make sure to put all of the links to that stuff in the bio for this episode when it airs. So again, thank you so much. Uh, It was definitely a pleasure chatting with you. And uh, we'll have to hop on here again once you're in busy season. I'll pull you away (laughs) and uh, see how it's all going. Hey, I appreciate the time. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And that is going to wrap up today's podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed sitting down and talking with Josh about everything that goes into skull dipping. I mean, the beetle side of it was weirdly fascinating to me and I'm kind of curious about what that smell is now. He said it's worse than death. And death smells pretty bad, especially like roadkill in the summer heat death. Um, So nothing else. I need to find someone around here that does the same deal and just really figure out what that smell is. Anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, Go check out Josh's work. See what he does. See all the cool things that he's been able to hydro dip. Um, what he brings to the table in forms in the form of product uh, for his clients and how he can turn a dead deer head into true artwork. So go check that out. And until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.